Hello, Gary Williams here. Welcome to my In Conversation podcast, a mishmash of chit-chats with friends and influencers across the world. Now, a few years ago, I was hosting a UK radio show where each guest would choose four songs and tell me why they were important to them. Now, due to music copyright issues, I can't share any of that music with you here just the conversation. So the music's gone, which might sound a bit weird sometimes, but I think it's still worth listening to what these great guests had to say. Enjoy. In Conversation with Gary Williams. We've got a very stylish show for you today. Music from Elvis Presley, Nick Drake and Richard Rodney Bennett, all chosen by this week's special guest. He went from busking on street corners to being the youngest ever resident musician at the Savoy Hotel. He's a singer, a songwriter, pianist and guitarist. He's made countless radio, TV and film appearances. He's performed for President Bill Clinton. He's sung with Amy Winehouse. He's hung out with the Sex Pistols, the Beatles and he's been pelted with peanuts by the royal family (laughs) he is jonathan nickel and here he is now with one of his own compositions technology will break your heart it's a song it's one of the few songs of my own that i do play pretty regularly on the hotel circuit so i'm kind of familiar with it and um i'm comfortable playing it it kind of fits in the in the kind of uh west end uh posh hotel kind of um environment so i'm i I, this one you know i'm comfortable with with this one some of the other stuff i do is a bit more kind of indie singer songwriter which i wouldn't kind of unleash on a on a respectable five-star audience but (laughs) do you like listening to yourself um i I, I wouldn't say i i like listening to myself but i i do it quite a lot i mean i'm really interested in listening to myself but it's a different pleasure to the one that you get listening to your favourite artists. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm really inquisitive and interested in my own stuff. Yeah. Um, like all of us, I pick holes in it. I wish I'd done things better and had a, had a budget to record things better, etc., etc. But I, I, do, I do do it quite a lot, yeah. I'm always looking back to what I've done and trying to think how I could improve things and wonder where I was at the time and what I meant by that. And, yeah. Do you, like listen, do you like the sound of your own singing voice? Uh, the strange thing is, um, I have two, or if not more than that, really different singing voices. Um, so when I'm doing the... And I didn't really realise this until um, a chap reviewed my second album, uh, an album called Cinema Music, which came out, um, in, I think, well, a few years back again, again, um, and noticed that when I was doing my own stuff, I have quite an English voice and when I'm doing the American songbook stuff like that and, and the stuff that basically I pay my mortgage with I have a much more Americanized kind of uh, style of singing so I feel quite comfortable listening to myself doing the American songbook stuff I feel slightly more uncomfortable hearing myself in what I guess would be my actual real voice which is a bit more English and I don't find that I don't think it's as an impressive voice technically but it's certainly a more honest voice yeah, that Your first record choice is Elvis Presley. Tell me about this. Oh my God, where do you're I... a fan, aren't you? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. Let's get that out of the way. I'm first. such a big Elvis fan. It's almost painful. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I reckon Elvis probably made, made me become a musician. I saw him. There was a great MGM uh, documentary made in 1970 called Elvis. That's the way it is, which covered his preparations for and his first summer festival season in Vegas. And he was slimmer than me. He was about uh, had about a 29 inch waist at the time. Uh, looks amazing, sounds amazing, and it just blew my mind. And uh, I just thought I wanted to be a musician when I saw that when I was about seven years old. Uh, and so Elvis is with me every day. Um, I think probably in I think people are beginning to kind of 
tr treat him with a bit more respect now. Um, and uh, yeah, this is one of my, my favourite Elvis songs. It's called Pocket Full of Rainbows from uh, the 1960 movie G.I. Blues. When you're playing, as you call it, in the posh hotel circuit, do you a lot of people request Elvis rock and roll music? Uh, later on, they do. It's kind of it's kind of weird. I always think of um, I've been do, I've been playing for so long on that in that environment that I I don't know if it's my own hang up or if it's actually reality. But generally, when I first start, kind of usually about seven o'clock in the evening, it, I, I think everyone's still quite kind of uptight. So for me, the first swathe of music is always quite kind of backgroundy and very American songbook and very kind of American jazz standard standards. Um, as people then come back to the bars after meals and theatre and everyone's a bit more lubricated, um, then, you know, a bit more rock and roll, a bit more 60s and a bit more perhaps left field with the stuff I play. But people do request Elvis, but mainly the, the default requests would be um, American songbook stuff um, in, in the kind of five-star hotel bar environment. Do you ever yeah. get surprised by some of the requests in, in a good way? Yeah, I, well, occasionally I, I, I do sometimes play things that I really love that I don't think anyone will recognise and occasionally someone will come up to me and say, oh my God, you just played a, a big star track or you just played, uh, you know, I recognise that Nick Drake song or whatever it might be. So occasionally I get surprised like that. Um, I mean, I do get some pretty bizarre requests too. Uh, you know, Lady Gaga happens quite regularly. I, I think they're taking the mickey, you know. But. I mean, are, there, are there things which you know but you politely have to decline? Well, I, I think you've got to be very careful singing my way. I mean, people, I, I, people sometimes, you know, it might be a really busy kind of buzzing kind of Friday night, you know. You're doing the kind of more up-tempo rock and, you know, rock and roll numbers by this stage of the evening. Then someone will say, you know, put five quid on the piano and, and say, can you play my way? And I just, you, you know, you kind of want to plead with them, please don't let me play that right now, you know, of all the things to play. That, that, would, really, that would really ruin everyone's night right now, you know. You could end it, you can finish on it, but you don't want to do it after Crocodile Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and people are going to request, I suppose, Billy Joel and, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah. what, Sweet Caroline and these. I mean, th th there are, are there certain tunes which you, you just say, I'm sorry. I... If you ever see me play a uh, Piano Man, it's because someone's asked for it and they probably paid for it. Because it's, <laughs> it's not a song I slip into kind of, you know, I, I, it's, it's a great song, but it's kind of, I guess it's the obvious choice. So it's, yeah, those kind of things I tend to avoid unless I have to play them. One yeah. name that a lot of people don't know is Richard Rodney Bennett, and you've chosen oh, yeah. one of his renditions of, uh, of a Harold Arlen song. Tell me about that. This is just absolutely amazing. Uh, did you, you know about Richard Rodney Bennett? Have you... Yeah, I, I worked with him a little bit. He arranged a couple of tunes for one of my albums. No way. He actually played Celeste on an album. God, wow. <laughs> yeah. And taught me how to cook rice as well. That just gets better and better and better. My God. <laughs> it's a good rice recipe. It's been fluffy ever since. My God. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I had a kind, of, a, a kind of connection with Richard Ronnie Bennett. I, I, I didn't know him personally, but my mother-in-law um, knew his sister. Uh, I believe her name is Meg Peacock. He knew her pretty well. So um, when I met with my met up with my wife and, and, and got to know her family, I, I kept hearing about Richard Ronnie Bennett, and I, I, hadn't, I wasn't familiar with him at, that, at this point. Um, anyway, my mother-in-law gave me the copy of the CD, which I think he was flogging at gigs, um, his Harold Arlen show, and... Uh, it's just piano and voice, and I think it's it's a reasonably kind of budget recording. It's not kind of like a the, the slickest of projects, but it's absolutely beautiful. And there's a song on there called "I Wonder What Became of Me," which I think, uh, my God, you can write a, a book about that one song. It's like a it's like a movie, and it's a, it's such a great musician song because it's kind of 
it really nails the heart of how bizarre it can be to be right in the centre of a crowd uh, for years and years and years and years and years and, uh, you know, kind of wondering out loud, how did I get here? Am I still the same bloke? Am I doing this for the same reason? Uh, it's a beautiful song and his version, I, um, I think it's actually my favourite version. You know, when you hear a slightly weird version of a song, a, a less than obvious one, and then you hear the classic, the great singer singing them and you don't like them as much as the version you know and his version of me is hands down the best version of it. I wonder what became of me. Do you ever think that while you're sitting at the piano in the Savoy? Uh... Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I thought it at the mouth of the Blackpool Tunnel uh, about um, 45 minutes ago, actually, Gary. I didn't think I'd make it here. I thought the same thing. <laughs> uh, um, your text was slightly ruder than that. But, um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I do. I think I don't know if you can relate to this. Um, I think it's really highs and lows. I think there are some nights when I, I, I come out of gigs uh, and I think, oh, my God, I have the best job in the universe. You know, I'm the luckiest bloke in the world. And then there are other days when you come out and you think, you know, Christ, I've got to retrain. Not that I ever trained, but you know, you, you, I think it's. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's a bit, if, if the highs are high and the lows are lower when you're doing a kind of performance-based job. Maybe that's condescending to people who don't. I don't know, but I think the stakes are kind of you know a, a great night. You're 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 treated like a bloody king, and on the on the bad nights, you're kind of you know you can be treated, you know, in not particularly kind terms, uh, and and so I think. Um, yeah, some days I do think, how on earth did I get here? And, you know, some of the pl- I've been all around the world many times and played in all kinds of places for all kinds of people, from dustmen to royalty. And, yeah, you do look at yourself in the mirror sometimes before or after a gig and think, what the he- how the heck did I get here? Yeah, I've got to challenge you here on, on the way I introduced you, because is this true that you've hung out with the Sex Pistols the, and the Beatles? Yeah, not at the same time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Sex Pistols. Um, well, it was, one, it was a Sex Pistol... Uh, it was uh, who's the guy who sells the margarine? Is it Johnny? That's Johnny Rotten, isn't it? I think that's a horror, he's, God, he's, he's done other things. He'd headbutt well, you for saying that, but yeah, I, I, he he was in the Savoy one night, and uh, he, you know, quite a formidable guy, really kind of steely, kind of glassy stare, and uh, he came over to, over to the piano, and I nearly had an accident. I thought I was about to be you know assaulted, and he had written on a, on a, the Savoy napkin. Well, first of all, he'd drawn a pair of breasts. Um, and then wrote, can you play any Tammy Wynette? And uh, so I did, I played a Tammy Wynette song, and uh, he was a perfect gentleman until the very last moment when he walked up the stairs out of the American bar and just let out the most incredible scream you ever heard. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was my Sex Pistol story. Um, and Paul McCartney uh, was, a, a, you know, better behaved than that. Uh, he was, uh, it was amazing, it was a really quiet kind of Tuesday, Wednesday night, hardly anyone in the bar, and a chap walked past and tapped me on the shoulder. Uh, and it was Paul McCartney, um, and uh, it, it was absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, and he came up and sang a bit. We did, he did some harmonies on some of the Everly Brothers stuff, and talked about when he met Elvis. And so uh, that was a, just a, one of those nights where you meet someone who you, and it, you, you don't think your life's ever going to be the same again. I kept expecting a telegram to come to the piano and say, "This is it. <laughs> come with me," or something. You know, yeah. that didn't happen, but it's still it, it, it's still one of my yeah an amazing thing that happened. Um, and my dad's a huge Beatles fan and I phoned up my dad and said dad I've just met a Beatle and he said without a second's pause he said Ringo doesn't count <laughs> <laughs> your next music choice Leslie Gore I've got a huge kind of vinyl collection I mean over you know, on nearly 2,000 LPs and singles mainly kind of 50s, 60s and 70s stuff um, and uh, I love all the yeah the, the 60s kind of the 60s pop scene in America and, and the UK was just 
extraordinary. And Leslie Gore, this song maybe maybe I know is one I think my favourite songs of all time. I, I used to busk when I was about uh, seventeen and eighteen. I play guitar too. I used to busk and and and, uh, uh, and gig, but you busk busk quite a bit in, in Cambridge and. I learnt the art of busking and I was very successful at busking and it's exactly the same uh, philosophy that has made me be in the Savoy for 15 years and the thing about busking is that people walk past you and they've got 10 seconds and if they don't recognise what you're playing they're not going to give you any money uh, and it's a very very similar phenomena uh, in a gig not so much if you've got a name and people are paying 20 quid to come sit down and listen to you and they all, they've already done the research and you've already kind of won at that point because they've come to see you. But if the people don't know you, you're basically on a street corner or in, the, in a five-star hotel. It's the same thing in theory. Um, and they'll be having a conversation and they'll look up and they'll look up and they'll hear Flummy Little Moon and they'll nod and they'll tap their foot and they'll look back again and you've won. That's a success. They might look up and they might hear it saying they've never heard it before and they might pull a face and it, oh, it's a little dirty. They don't, they don't get it straight away. Um, and I'm really, really sensitive to that. Is it true you sang with Amy Winehouse? Oh, do you know, this is one of my all-time favourite stories. Uh, yeah, I did. It was They were filming the South Bank Show Awards in the, in the Savoy. Uh, I guess this would have been about eight years ago or something. Uh, and I came into the bar and... Uh, I, there, there are loads of celebrities in the bar. It was, I, I, you know, I, I, it was it was quite full on. There was Amy Winehouse, there was Rob Ryden, there was Michael Ball, uh, loads of actors. It, it was a really kind of lovey um, music kind of actor fest orgy. Uh, and Amy Winehouse was there, uh, sitting really close to the piano. So I sat down and do what I always do. I think I came in with something like you know, Route 66 or something kind of swingy and kind of very accessible. Uh, and she was the only person clapping. The only person clapping, uh, and uh, it was mind blowing. And uh, she kept on looking at me, and I kept on looking at her. And I'm, I'm actually reasonably shy with those kind of things. When you, when I'm kind of playing, uh, I often kind of will people not to come up and sing, because it's kind of it's a really you know it can go horribly wrong. But I mean, I, I just I just I had this connection with her. She was amazing, and she came up and said, can I do a few songs? And uh, Of course she could. She was number one in the album charts, Back to Black at the time. So anyway, she sat on the piano bench and she sang for about 25 minutes and she did What a Difference a Day make, makes, Made. Uh, loads of 60s stuff like Going to the Chapel, We're Going to Get Married, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And uh, she was absolutely mind-blowing and beautiful and I, a little bit of me fell in love with her. And then some American businessman on the other side of the bar complained to the manager that uh, they didn't like the woman who was singing the guy, was a, the guy was an Austrian chap. He didn't know who she was, told her it wasn't a karaoke bar. Could she please leave? And she did. <laughs> and uh, that was my Amy Winehouse story. <laughs> and then Michael Ball got up and said, oh, you can't throw her out. She's number one in the album charts. And he started singing The Wonder Review. Then he got thrown out. And then Rob Ryden sang The Green Green Grass of Home. And then I was asked to take a break by the management. <laughs> you are, like me, a big Sinatra fan. Can you... I mean, and I know you spent a lot of time playing and singing his music. What is it that made Sinatra so special? Um, I, th- I think uh, I haven't prepared any answer. To that. I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. Obviously, um, and I. So this might not make sense. All I'm going to tell you is that when I broke up with my first girlfriend, when I was about 15 years old. Uh, I don't know if I bought this album before or after, but I had uh, the the album in the wee small hours, which I think was um, a compilation of two 
10 inches I think I think it was originally released on two kind of extended EPs or something um, and it, it, that, that was just I, I listened to that, that album I mean my god I just I listened to it over and over and over and over and over, and over again uh, and I think the thing is Sinatra he really cared about his art he very seldom certainly when he was established threw anything away you know there were no throwaway performances uh, certainly recorded and he was an, in, an, inter, an intellectual musician uh, and that really comes through and he was a soul singer and uh, and really really kind of fought for his art I mean he basically created the concept of an album I mean he was the first person to record albums that actually were albums with Sinatra uh, you're having there's 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 a human presence a brain and a spirit in the room coming out of the speakers with other singers there's a really there's pretty wallpaper but I mean I love Andy Williams I've got loads of his albums and I love Tony Bennett uh, but you know it's Sinatra you go to when you want when you want to hang out with someone and you feel like he's there's a 3D presence Christ is a 5D presence in the room when he put a Sinatra record on when the Savoy Hotel was closed for refurbishment for a couple of years um, about six seven years ago I went to the Dorchester Hotel where I played four nights a week uh, in the promenade bar and um, a member of the royal family um a red-headed member of the royal family who used to be married to Prince Andrew. Um, obviously, I'm not going to reveal her name, but I, I can't give it away, but she did used to be married to Prince Andrew and she has red hair. On. I know nobody will get it from that. Used to throw peanuts at me um, and then pretend that she hadn't. And I'd, uh, and she was very nice and very jolly, but that was... I, I don't know to this day whether that was a, a form of endearment or, or praise or, uh, or the opposite of that. But, yeah, she used to pelt me with peanuts... Were you ever tempted to pick one up and throw it back? <laughs> um, no, I, 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 that was more than my job's worth. Can you imagine the, manage, the manager's report that <laughs> night? <laughs> your, your, your last uh, record choice is, is Nick Drake. Now talk about a musician's musician. Yeah, yeah my God. I, I, when, I, when I was about 19, I got uh, about three years' worth of work in Scandinavia playing guitar and singing in bars and stuff. Uh, worked for a great agent, a lovely guy who's still doing stuff called Will Sprawl, who lives in St Albans now, who used to have uh, used to supply kind of bars and jazz clubs and things with musicians in Denmark and Norway. Uh, and um, I, in those days, of course, this is pre-CD players. I had a, a cassette Walkman, and so you'd cherry pick your favourite songs from your favourite albums. I had loads of Sinatra on there and whatever, you know. But I had a couple of Nick Drake things um, from the Pink Moon album, which I really love, and the track. Um, place to be um, which you're about, just about to hear was on that tape and it just takes me back to being in Scandinavia and uh, a deep song but a very uplifting song and uh, yeah I, I just love Nick Drake such an English musician um, kind of in vogue now and tragically wasn't when he was kind of doing that stuff his stuff didn't sell at all but when he was around but um, I think he died in 74 and his, now he's kind of fated as being a, as you say a real musician's musician yeah Jonathan Nickel, thanks for talking to us today absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch and hear more interviews just like this one, head over to my website, garywilliams.co.uk.